verse and then we're going to turn to the book of Acts chapter number 1 and uh, bring you the thought as we continue our thought on the foundation of the church and uh, the message that we'll be preaching this week on the church and uh, we dealt this morning in the Sunday school hour for those of you that were not here uh, we dealt with the foundation of the church and how the church began and where the church began we talked about the position of the church he said on this rock I will build my church, talking about the statement that the Apostle Peter made. And uh, then he, we talked about the promise that he made the church. He said, I will build my church. He's made a promise that he's kept and he's still keeping to this day. Then we talked about the place that he put the church in. He said, I'm going to put you right in the path of hell. He said, and all of hell, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And then the protect, protection that he gave the church and that is in the statement that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and how that we should as the people of God because of the foundation we have being in Jesus Christ that we as the people of God should have confidence not in the flesh but in the Lord Jesus Christ and be able to go into this world and do the work that he's given us to do. If your belief about the foundation of the church is mixed up then you will have a hard time coming to grips with the fact that the church is here to do a job and that we have been empowered by God to do that job. And so uh, we believe that. I believe in being filled with the Spirit of God. I know a lot of folk think you're charismatic or Pentecostal if you say that, amen, but I'm not. Uh, I believe what Baptist folk have always believed and that is that the church of the living God is commanded to be filled with the Spirit. I do not believe... Uh, that the, and there's a lot of doctrine that I'm not dealing with, stuff that I dealt with as I taught through this lesson in my Bible class, uh, but there, uh, there's a lot of erroneous doctrine believed that speaking in tongues is evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God. There's nowhere in the Bible that you can find that. I've debated that on radio, and I've went to uh, with different people who believe that, and uh, by the time we got done with our Bible study, they had to say, Brother Wells is exactly saying what the Bible says. He's not saying anything more or less than what the Bible says. And so uh, that's the way that I want to live my life. I want to say everything that the Bible says and nothing it don't say. And I don't want to read between the lines. Amen. I know sometimes we do that. Uh, and there are principles, I understand that, that are laid out in the Word of God. But I want to live my life and have my life based on doctrine uh, that is in the Word of God. And so that's the way that I want to uh, exist and I believe that's the way that the church ought to exist. I believe that's the way it ought to operate. That's the way our church has operated for all of these years uh, there in McQuady, Kentucky. And the Lord's blessed that and so I want to keep doing what the Lord's blessing. Amen. Amen. And I would admonish you to do the same thing. You say, well, I just that's not the way I've been taught all my life. Well, you could have been taught wrong. Amen. There's always that possibility. I told one fella, he said... Uh, he said, well, I just don't believe that's the way to heaven. I was witnessing to him uh, about the Lord, and I said, he said, I just don't believe that's the way to heaven. I said, well, have you ever been wrong about anything? And he said, well, yeah, I've been wrong a bunch of times. I said, well, then there is a possibility you could be wrong again. I said, but Jesus has never been wrong. The Word of God has never been wrong. I said, so if you're going to believe something, instead of believing me who has been wrong, before and has a great possibility of being wrong again, we better start believing the Bible and believing the Word of God. Amen. And so I believe that in the song we sang earlier about Him coming back again uh, just any day now. I believe His faith. I believe that with all of my heart. And uh, Brother Nisley's dad been preaching and carrying the gospel for years and years. Been preaching that for years. 
And people say, well, I, I, is he coming? Where is the promise of his coming? That's what they said in the book of First Peter. They said, where is the promise of his coming? Since our father slept, all things continue as they were. But the promise of his coming is still in the book, amen. Right. Still in the heart of the believer. And uh, it's still in the signs of the times around us. We believe we're nearer now than we've ever been. And he could step out on the clouds at any moment and call his church away. And I believe that with all of my heart. And boy, what a wonderful, wonderful day that would be. Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 18, of course, is our text verse and will be throughout uh, this week, Lord willing. The Bible said, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we're talking about and preaching this week and teaching whatever you want to call it uh, this week on the foundation of the church and that's what we taught on this morning and today uh, in this hour I want to preach if God will help me on the purpose of the church. The church has a foundation. God started a church. He didn't build it on Peter. We believe the Catholics are wrong and not just believe that they're wrong. We know they're wrong. Amen. Uh, God didn't build the church on Peter. He didn't build it on, but he built it on the statement that Peter made that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. And uh, be, I, that, that takes care of every problem that the church might ever have that they can get through it. Right. If they'll just believe that they are founded on the foundation of Jesus Christ and him alone, God's going to see it through. Because of the foundation we have, Brother Jason, we also have a promise, and I dealt with that this morning. I don't want to re-preach it. I'd like to re-preach it again, amen. I enjoyed preaching that this morning, but I'd like to preach it again. But I want to deal, if God will help me, on the purpose of the church that we find in the book of Acts. Now, this is what Jesus told them. If you'll turn over the book of Acts, chapter number 1. And uh, you, uh, the Bible said in chapter number 1 and verse number 5, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. Now, I've heard people say that when he was standing there, that a cloud come down and lifted him up. But that's not what the Bible said. The Bible said that while they beheld him, he was taken up. And then a cloud received him out of their sight. In other words, he was taken up from the ground in, as they beheld him. And when he got up to a certain point, a cloud took him out of their sight, came in between them. And why is that important, Brother David? Because the Bible said, and what manner you have seen him go, so shall he come again. So what that means is, is that he, as that cloud took him out of their sight, that cloud's going to one day reveal him again. It's going to move out of the way and they, he will be revealed to us in that day. Praise Amen. God. I, and I, you say, Brother David, we can be, we don't have to be in the dark about what God's doing and how he's going to do it. He's told us how he's going to do it. He's been very detailed in his explanation of what he's going to do. And so when he started the church, as he did, we believe that he had a purpose for the church. Now there are three levels that we want to notice this purpose in. Three views that we want to take of it. Number one, we want to look at the eternal purpose that God had for the church. Number two, we want to look at the everlasting purpose that God has for the church. And then thirdly, we want to look at the earthly 
purpose that God has for the church. Now, I ask you a question, and I'll ask it again here. I ask you a question to think about in the Sunday school hour. And so I want you to, I'm going to ask it again because some of you weren't here, and it's very vital that you listen to what I'm saying about the church in order to get uh, the meaning and to get the uh, true depth of what I'm trying to say. In the Garden of Eden, when man fell in the garden, I know this uh, brings to to the forefront maybe some supposition, uh, but I believe that we need to think about it. I believe we need to understand it. But in the Garden of Eden, when man fell in the garden, was the church God's second plan? Was the church God's plan B? Or did God always have the church as his plan. Now I'm not talking about because God knew what it, I'm talking about if Adam had never fallen, would there have been still been a church? And you need to ask yourself that. Well, if you're going to answer that question, Brother John, you've got to ask yourself this question about what is the church? What is the church? What is the purpose of the church? And so the first thing that we want to look at is the eternal purpose of God in the church. And there's a lot of things about the eternal purpose of God that we cannot know, but there's some things we can know. Now, we know that the word eternal and the word everlasting are two different words. The word eternal means that there never has been a beginning nor an ending, never will be an ending. So we have, in the the terms of salvation, we have eternal life. I think I've explained that to you again. We have the life that we have, never had a beginning, and will never have an ending. That's the way that God sees it. But then we also have an everlasting life. The Bible describes that life as we have. That's how man sees it. Man sees it as having a beginning and there is no end to it at all. That is everlasting. That's what it means. It has a beginning but no end. So the church had an eternal purpose. That is a purpose that God had that never had a beginning and it never has an end. There never was a day that God sat down and thought up the idea of the church. That God has never done that. We don't deal with that kind of God. God that man didn't sin in the garden. God said, well, you know, i got to come up with a different plan. God didn't look down through the ages of time and say, man's going to fall in the garden. I've got to come up with a different plan. It didn't work like that, Brother David. God ain't like that. He don't think temporarily. God is so eternal that he can't even have a temporary thought. And how in the world, and that's what I ask folk who believe they can lose their salvation. I said, if God is so eternal, he can't have a temporary thought. How in the world do you think he can do a temporary work? Amen. 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 I believe that with all of my heart. But there was a purpose that God had in eternity past that involved the church. Now, what is the church? The church is described to us in several different terms. Number one, it's described as the body of Christ. So if man had never sinned in the garden, there would have sealed, what is the body of Christ? It is the representation of the Lord Jesus and God the Father upon this earth displaying it to mankind that he might show the glory of his Son through that body. Now, if man had never seen, and I'm saying if, but being if man had never seen in the garden, God would have still needed a people that he could reveal the glory of his son through to this world as it's on its way to a Christless eternity now. But even then, men would have still had to make a choice to walk with God. 
It wouldn't have made, it wouldn't have made us robots, Brother Nisley, if man had not sinned in the garden. Every man would have had to make the same choice to follow God. But the human race would have had a different position with God if man had not sinned. But man did sin. And man fell in the garden. But that didn't change the eternal purpose of God one bit. It didn't change the eternal purpose that God had for the church one bit. The only thing it changed was was the fact that he was going to redeem that church, that body, back to himself that fell in the garden. And God had already made plans for that. And I understand we can't understand every bit of that. The secret things belong to the Lord. I'm not delving into that. But I am telling you there was an eternal purpose that God had. And the example that he gives us is that the church was taken from the side of Christ. We came out of him. We were hid what? In Christ. Just as an Eve is a perfect example of that. She was always in Adam. She had to be revealed. She had to be taken out of the side. And Adam, is a, when he was put to sleep, Brother John, is a type of death. But he had not sinned. He hadn't sinned. Why was he put to death? What was the only reason? So God could bring a bride out of him. And so the church is described as the body of Christ. But it's also described as the bride of Christ. And when Christ died, he didn't die because of his sin. He died so that God, Brother Ben, could bring the bride out of him and reveal it to the world. And that is the church, even though the word is not mentioned in your Old Testament, that is a picture of the church and what God was doing in his eternal purpose throughout all of time. It's amazing, ain't it? And we think that God's going to have a hard time getting the church out through this age. <laughs> God ain't struggling. Right, right, Listen, you say, well, I'm, I'm afraid the church is going to fall completely on its face. It ain't going to fall on its face. God's going to make sure that she comes through. Amen. And when he reveals her, he's going to reveal her as a spotless bride without spot and without wrinkle. Now it may take the judgment seat of Christ to get it to that point and I believe it will. But brother John, he's going to reveal his bride just like he revealed the bride of Adam in the garden. Amen. And so there is an eternal purpose that God had. So God's eternal purpose is so that his people could magnify and glorify him throughout the ages. Now man fell in the garden and so we go from the eternal purpose of God to the everlasting purpose of God now. Now since man fell in the garden, though the plan was not thwarted, and though the plan, the eternal purpose of God was not hindered, it seems like on the part of man as the way we look at it, because we're human, it looks like, Brother John, that the plan of God took a detour. But it didn't take a detour. God still needed a bride for his son. He needed a bride before man ever fell. He was going to need a bride for his son. Before man ever fell, he was going to need a body for his son to represent him in this world. But after man fell, God still needed a bride. 
After man fell, God still needed a body. And the devil thought he had thwarted the plan of God. But he had not even hindered the plan of God. He hadn't even slowed it down. Amen. God said, the plan is my son is going to die and he's going to purchase that bride back. Amen. And make them what I want them to be. And I'm going to reveal my glory through them. That's the reason he said we were hid in Christ. He is revealing to us that this is my purpose. The bride has always been the plan. The body has always been the plan. And that plan has not been changed even by the fall of man. Now I'm asking some I'm asking some questions that you're going to have to go home and think about. But there is an everlasting purpose that God has for the church. Now the Bible tells us and as I said I'm not going to have time to run all the references. You're, I'm trusting that you're familiar with some things and I believe you are. But the Apostle Paul said that I reckon that the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. There's one day going to come a day, Brother John, that God is going to reveal all of His glory through His Son and His Son's body and bride. That is an amazing thought. Now, I believe... And, and I believe, I could, as I said before, that that it was the purpose of God in the garden. It was simply to reveal His glory through mankind. But man fell in the garden. Sin entered in. And so the creation was marred but, and it was messed up. But God had a plan of redemption already in place. The Bible says, and that's the reason he can say that Jesus Christ was as a lamb slain in the book of Revelation from before the foundation of the world. In the mind of God, it had already taken place. You say, Brother David, do you mean that you believe some people are predestined for heaven and some people are predestined for hell? No, that's foolishness. But it don't change the fact that God knew everything before it ever started. And before it ends, he knows the end from the beginning. And so God's purpose and plan is this, is that God would be able to reveal himself through Jason, through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. The choice he makes about what he does with Jesus determines whether or not and how God will reveal his glory through him. But if Brother Jason never got saved by the grace of God, do you know that God would still be glorified and honored through judgment? If he never gets saved, Brother John, if, uh, if these kids never get saved by the grace of God, God will still be glorified through his judgment. That's hard for us to accept, but that's what he done with Pharaoh. The Bible said that Moses went to Pharaoh and Pharaoh hardened his heart and Pharaoh hardened his heart and Pharaoh hardened his heart and then the Bible said and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He said I have raised him up what he told Moses that the name of the Lord might be glorified in all of the earth and Pharaoh could have said I'm going to let God's people go. I'm going to let them go where they need to go and God would have been glorified throughout all of the earth because of the majesty that Pharaoh allowed to be shown through him but he rejected God's word. He rejected God's way but God said that don't change the fact that I've raised him up to glorify my name in all the earth and God has 
has been glorified through the fall of Pharaoh. And so God is going to be glorified through his church. And when man fell in the garden, the eternal purpose of God was not thwarted. And the everlasting plan of God was revealed. Because he had a purpose. Now, we go to Acts chapter number 1. And verse number 8 is the verse that I'm interested in. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the season, verse number 7, which the Father had put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So I've dealt with the eternal purpose of God. I've dealt with the everlasting purpose of God. Now we're going to deal with the part that we are living in now, and that is the earthly purpose of God for the church. God has an eternal purpose that's going to take place, brother initially, no matter what we do. There's an everlasting purpose that is going to take place and it'll be revealed through us depending on what we do with Jesus Christ. But there is an earthly purpose that He has left us here to do that will not take place if we don't get it done. And if we don't, brother John, we'll give an account to God for it. Now, what is that? Well, he tells us what that purpose is. Again, to glorify God throughout all of the earth through the body of Christ. How's he going to do that? You're going to be witnesses. After something else happens. After what? After you receive power. Now, even though we believe that the Holy Spirit of God was given on the day of Pentecost and that every believer that gets saved by the grace of God is indwelt with the Spirit of God, we believe that because the Bible said in Romans chapter number 8 that if you're without the Spirit of Christ, then you're none of, if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. You're given the Holy Ghost of God when you're saved by the grace of God. Being filled with the Spirit of God, and the Bible does command us to be filled with the Spirit. It said, be you filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be you filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit of God is not you getting more of Him. It's Him getting more of you. It's Him filling you up. If you feel, Listen, if you take a glass of water and you put a glass of water in there and you put that glass of water down and you fill it up half with water and you fill it up half with sand... It's full, but it ain't full of water. Amen? And you can't put no more, you can't make water no more water than what it is. It's always water. But what you got to do is get sand out of it. And so what happens is, is that that glass, that water, that glass, don't, that water don't become any more water than what it is. But it gets more of that glass so that the sand and the dirt's out of it, Brother Nisley, and it becomes full of water because there's nothing in the way to hinder the water from filling it up. That's the way it is in the life of the child of God. As you walk through life, God begins to deal with things in your life and get things out of your life so that He can put more of the Spirit, not more of the Spirit, but so that the Spirit can take up more of you. You understand that? That's the reason that we have denominations that are totally off in their doctrine of the Holy Ghost because they do not understand that the Holy Spirit is given without measure to you right. when you're saved by the grace of God. If you got just a little bit of the Holy Spirit and you're going to get more of Him later, then all you got is a little bit of God the Father. 
You also got just a little bit of Jesus. But that ain't what you got. You got all of God when you got saved. You got all of Jesus when you got saved. All the Father and all the Spirit. But now they're all getting more of you as you go through life. Now that is the, that is the earthly purpose of God. That you might receive power. Now, even though we know that the Holy Spirit was given at salvation, that there's not going to be another Pentecost, there's only one Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and He's now dwelling in the hearts of men. We understand that. But the, the process hadn't changed. If you're going to be an effective witness for God, you've got to have the power of God working in your life unhindered. So the process is still the same. The earthly purpose and the earthly process has not changed. We are first filled with the power and then we are witnesses. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. And that is what deal, deals with. And so what God deals with in your life. So there may be things, I've been saved for you know, 25 plus years. I ought to be further along than Ben is. Ben's 19, 20, 21. How old was you when you got saved? I was 13. 13. So he'd been saved for seven, eight years. I should be way further along. Brother Richard, I don't know how long you've been saved. You've been saved a long time, I'm assuming. How long have you been saved? Uh, 1973. 73. He'd been saved a long time. He'd been saved almost as long as I've been alive. Brother Richard ought to be further along than what I am. Because he's been walking with God longer and God's been working on him longer than what he's been working on me. And so he ought to be further along. And the earthly purpose of God ought to be that Brother Richard ought to have more power with God than what I've got. Because they more to, God ought to have more Brother Richard than what he's got of me. But can I tell you this? that if I'm walking in all the light that God has given me as an individual, I can walk and be effective in the service of God just as much as... I ain't got to wait till I get to Brother Richard's age to be effective for the cause of Christ. I just got to walk in the light He's given me. And as long as I do that, as long as I walk in the light, as He in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Listen, we have, we have fellowship with him because we walk in the light. What are you saying, Brother David? The early purpose of God is that they would be a witness. But in order for them to be a witness, the first thing they had to have was power. Amen. Amen. The power of God. Right. Not the power of personality. Right. We're enthralled in this day with the power of personalities. Baptist churches are enthralled with the power of personality. But God never said that was the power He's going to give. He said, I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I understand we have different personalities. Everybody has that. I understand all of that. But the purpose of God don't, ain't hinging. It ain't hinging on whether or not I got the right personality. Right. It's whether I got the right person inside of me. Right. And that's God. Amen. Amen. And I ain't been around brother, I'm using brother John because he's crippled, amen, and he can't catch me if he don't like something I say. But brother, I ain't been around brother John a lot, but what I've been around him, been around these boys, they're, they're kind of shy. A little bit backward. I, I, I don't imagine, you know, I know brother John teaches Sunday school and stuff, but I, you know, they're just kind of shy. 
They kind of get nervous when they get to talking to you a little bit. That's not, I'd say it's a family tree, if I was guessing. I ain't never met his brothers or sisters or nothing else, but I'd say it's probably a family tree. probably runs in the family. But Brother John, that don't matter. You're still commanded to be filled with the Spirit. You're still commanded to have power with God. You're still commanded to be a witness. Our lack of personality or the addition of a great personality. I could talk to a fence post. Amen. Brother John Smith could sell dirt to a farmer and take his tractor in on trade. My wife, my wife has a, is not a, you wouldn't think she's got a very outgoing personality, but if she sets her mind to do something, she's got the determination to see it happen. I remember one time they was raising funds for Bible quizzing. Many times they've done that through the years and my children have had to endure. Amen. I've always said this, if it wasn't for the fact I was in the ministry and my wife has been a keeper at home, we would be multimillionaires. She could, she can, it's not that she has a great personality for selling, she just don't know how to quit. What she makes up for in personality, amen, she makes, she makes up for it in determination. What she lacks in personality, she makes up for it in determination. So they was going to, they was going to make some money for Bible, the Bible quiz, I believe it was. Is that when y'all sold the candles? Was that, for, was that for Bible quiz? Christmas play. Yeah, that's right. She's raising funds so she could make costumes for the Christmas play there at the church. So what she done is she decided she's going to sell candles for home interior. Well, that ain't a very big money making proposition until my wife got a hold of it. <laughs> and she said, she went to a lady that sells home interior there in the community and said, we want to sell candles for a fundraiser. And they went out and sold candles for a fundraiser and raised enough money to pay for everything they needed and went back and made the delivery. And the woman that was the home interior person said, would you like a full-time job? <laughs> It was amazing, amen. I mean, I've seen her sell, I've seen her sell uh, calendars, little pocket calendars, and dress the children up in Christmas play costumes and take them out and sell calendars in December. You'll catch that in a minute, amen. And sell every one of them. What are you saying? I'm saying. The lack of personality or the addition of it doesn't change the fact you're to be filled with power and be a witness for God. Now, how are we to be a witness? Well, he gives us the pattern. And he starts us out. I mean, I'm glad God does things the way that he does it. So he told the church, he said, this is where you're going to be. First of all, you're going to be a witness to me in Jerusalem. And we all know what that means. That's your immediate area. But you know what else it means? God wasn't just dealing with an organization. He was dealing with an organism, people. And so the people you're most comfortable around is where it starts yet. Ain't that right? That's the way it is. The first people you tell about Jesus normally is the people you're most comfortable around. That's your Jerusalem. It It ain't a location it's just where you're at when you get saved. God lets you tell people that you're comfortable around. You tell your friends. You tell your family. They don't all accept it. They look at you like you're crazy sometimes. But that's all right. That's the people you're comfortable with. You can take it from them. You can take it from them better than you can a complete stranger. But then he says, not only do I want you to tell them in Jerusalem, he said, that's where I'm going to start you, but then you're going to have to go to Judea and you're going to have to do it all at the same time, but I'm going to start you in Jerusalem. 
And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to send you to Judea. Judea is the outline areas around Jerusalem. So that's the place you're most comfortable. Jerusalem's where you start. But then you're, you're still pretty comfortable in Judea, but you're expanding a little bit. So you're not just telling friends and you're not just telling families, but maybe telling co-workers. That's the purpose of God being fulfilled in the church. I, I thought, surely, Brother David, it was way more complicated than that. No, it ain't. That's the purpose of God being revealed. When you talk to your friends and your family, and if I could use it this way, you talk to your mom and dad, your brothers and sisters, that's your Jerusalem, and then you talk to acquaintances, maybe close friends, that's your Jerusalem, but then you talk to acquaintances and maybe second and third cousins and aunts and uncles, and that begins to be your Judea. But then we're in a immediate, very immediate comfort zone. And let me look at my notes here to make sure I get the right words. But then there is a general area that we go that is we're generally comfortable. But then he says we're to go into Samaria. Why do you say Samaria? Because that's the place we're most uncomfortable. Judea, Jerusalem's the place we want everybody to be saved. Judea's the place we hope a lot of people get saved. Samaria's the place we don't care if anybody gets saved. That's the Jews. See, Samaritans were half-breed Jews. They were part Jew and part something else. Didn't matter what else it was, it was Gentile. You remember the story in John chapter number 4, Jesus went to the well went to Jacob's well and he sat on the side of the well and that Samaritan woman came who'd had five husbands and once she had then wasn't her husband, she's shacking up with him. And Jesus sat down on the well. Do you remember what the disciples done? They went another way into the city. They didn't go through Samaria. They went another way into the city to buy meat. They didn't want to even go into the city. This is what historians tell us. The Bible don't say this, but historians say this. And the disciples prove it. They didn't even want to walk through that town, Brother David, because they didn't want to get the dust from that town on their feet because they felt like the Samaritans were so defiled. They didn't, listen, them Jews, Jesus, listen, they've been three and a half years with him. They've seen him die on the cross. They've seen him resurrected. They've seen him come back from the Father. And the book of Acts chapter number one, you know what they asked? Will thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They still don't understand the idea of the church. They still have, it still has not been, listen, it ain't been revealed to Peter. It wasn't revealed to John. It wasn't revealed to James. You know who's revealed to? Paul, one born out of due season. That's the reason you can't build doctrine out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can't build New Testament church doctrine out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You got to build it out of the epistles. That's the reason you can't build New Testament doctrine for a New Testament church out of the book of Acts. You can't base all your doctrine in there. Why? That's a transitional book. It's going from Old Testament to New Testament as it changes. But when you get to the Pauline epistles, say, man, you can build doctrine on that. And so, Samaria is the place where we are most uncomfortable. That's the place you don't care if anybody gets saved. Well, I don't care if they get saved. I ain't going down there. That, don't, that still don't absolve you of the responsibility to go. Right. Now we shouldn't have that attitude. But if you do, that don't keep you from being responsible 
for going to that place you don't want to go. Can I use a personal illustration? I don't, I don't want to use them too much, but I'll use one here. When I got saved by the grace of God, I was thrilled about that. Man, I was just a drunk and a dope head and everything else and just got saved and I was wanting to tell everybody about Jesus. After I'd been saved a number of years, as a little boy from the ages of 7 to 10, I was abused by a cousin of mine who was a good bit older than me. I don't have to go into any details. Those of you that are old enough to know, know. And those of you that ain't old enough to know, don't need to know. But you understand what I'm saying. And God dealt with my heart about going to him and telling him that God could save him. That was my Samaria. I didn't want to go. I didn't, I didn't care if he got saved. I loved the Lord. God had saved me. But I had to deal with my Samaria. That's the people that are mean to you, that have been mean to you, that have told you they don't want to hear, but you're still responsible to go as a church. You're still responsible to go as a people. God's earthly purpose for the church is that they would go to that immediate area where they're comfortable, then the general area where they're comfortable, then to that most uncomfortable place, Samaria. But not only that, we're to go to the unknown place. The uttermost part of the earth. Brother Ben, I'm Brother John Nim, no, Brother Wright Nim, they're going to Iceland, I think it is. Greenland, I always get it backwards. Green's icy and ice is greeny, amen. That's the way I kind of remember, and I can't remember where they're going. But we support them, amen. But they're going there. I don't know nobody there. Brother John, I don't, I don't know one soul there. But when I saw the pictures of a people that didn't know Jesus, my heart melted. I've never been to Scotland. But Brother John, I can't tell you the number of years I have prayed for that people. I don't know. I've, I don't know anybody over there. I've, knew, I've known missionaries that were going. I've, there's a missionary I just found out that I've known for years that's going to Scotland. And I'm so thrilled. Brother John, there's untold millions that have never hurt. And I can't get there. I would go. If God would let me go, I would go. There's been very few missionaries that come through our church that if God would just give me the green light, I'd go with them. I'd sell it all. I'd sell my house. I'd sell my cars. I'd sell everything that I got. Just put it all on the market and sell it, Brother John, and go if God would give me the green light. If that's what God wanted me to do, that's what I'd do. You know what that is, Brother Richard? That's reaching out to the uttermost parts where I don't know. I, can't, I may not even can reach them. I may not have the finances to give the missionary the money to go. But I still can carry a burden for them. Right. What about them countries that ain't no missionaries going to? Right. We're still to carry a burden for them. Right. 
What is that? That is the earthly purpose of God. And God, Brother John, is glorified through that. The Bible said in the book of Colossians that there should be glory to God in the church and through His people. But we've got so caught up in our own purpose and in our own plan that we've let the eternal, everlasting, earthly purpose of God for this assembly. If we're not careful, Brother Richard, we'll let it slip through our hands. You going to JMU? You going to the nursing home? Which one do you think is more important? Go to JMU, probably what? How many people be there, Brother John? What, four or five thousand? Six thousand? Five, six thousand, seven thousand, whatever. How many people be in the nursing home? A handful. You know which one is more important to God? Neither one. One's just as important as the other. You need just as much power to go to the 14 as you do to go to the 10,000. That's the reason I can preach to a crowd. I can preach to a crowd of thousands. And I can preach to a crowd of just a dozen. That's the reason everybody, you know, I've, I've, got a, I've had a gospel tent. We still got a tent ministry there at the church. I'm not in charge of it anymore. I'm gone too much. But we got a man in the church that is. We've got a nursing home ministry. That nursing home ministry, I started in that nursing home ministry. God let me start that. I preached. I was faithful in that for years. We started a juvenile detention ministry. I've tried to be faithful in that till they kicked us out. We had a street ministry that God helped us start. We had a tent ministry that God helped us start. Been going on that tent ministry. Been going on for, for 20 years. I'm not in charge of that anymore. But another man's in charge of that. But when I remember when that thing, I mean, we set up tent now. I mean, there's a crowd comes. It's a big 55, 65 by 75, two-pole, big blue and white tent, beautiful. But I remember when it was a little green and white 55 by 65. And there wasn't nobody setting it up but me and my boy. Taking it down, packing it all away. I was running the sound, doing the preaching and taking the offering. I wouldn't even, I'd just sit, I'd set offering plates out and I'd, I'd say, if you got something to give, put it in the plate and preach like the house was full. I remember preaching in Big Spring, Kentucky. We came through there the other day, me and my wife and daughter, maybe it was me and my daughter, I don't remember where we were coming, maybe it was me and my daughter, I was, or me and my wife, I was coming back from the doctor, I think, and we came through Big Spring. And uh, I said, right down there is where, at, where we, we had a black family that let us set up on their property and preach, and they had a bunch of kids. I mean, they brought, they brought. I'm talking about adult kids. They was 10 or 12 of them, and they brought all their families, and they come under that tent. I mean, God moved, and we had, a, I mean, a good meeting. And they, we, and they didn't come back, and I went to the end of the way. I said, why didn't y'all come back? I said, that scared us to death. We ain't never seen nothing like that. <laughs> but I remember one night under that tent, Brother Richard, there wasn't nobody there but me and my wife and my little boy and my little girl and one old man from the church. He said, boy, that wasn't, much, that wasn't much of a meeting. But I tell you what I also remember under, in that meeting, a 92-year-old woman got saved during that meeting. I could have quit and went home. 
but I needed just as much power to preach to them four as I needed to preach the night it was full. See, that's our responsibility, Brother Richard. It's not how many we're reaching. It's the fact we're supposed to be reaching everybody. All the time. And at the same time. Now I want to ask you a question today. Are you fulfilling God's purpose? Oh, I, Brother David, I, I used to. Boy, I'm telling you, I used to, I'd get them gospel tracts and I'd hand them out to everybody I met or I'd witness to folk and I'd tell them about Jesus. I, I've had a burden for folk, but it ain't like that now. You've let the purpose slip by you. You've let the purpose slip by you. And God's earthly purpose, His eternal purpose is not going undone. His everlasting purpose is not going undone. But because of our laxness, Brother Ben, if we're not careful, his earthly purpose. Because see, you they can't nobody reveal God to this generation, Mitchell, but you and me. The Bible said David served his generation. You're serving this generation. And when you're gone, this generation's gonna be gone. And once they're dead, Brother Richard, it's it's too late. That's the reason it's got to be done now. And so, this is what I would say to you, Old Pass Baptist Church. I thank God for all you're doing. But don't you get so busy doing the mechanics of the ministry that you forget about this is the purpose. This is not our ministry. This is God's ministry. Yes, sir. Amen. This is God's church. He founded it. As I said this morning, He's building it. He's continuing on with it. And he is not depending on you to build his church. He's depending on you to reveal his glory. <laughs> when that building goes up, Brother John, you know who's going to get the glory for that? You better make sure God gets the glory right, for it. Right, right. I mean, they ain't going to come in here and see this handful of folks and say, boy, look what they've done. That's right. That's right. I mean, I got... Mr. Millionaire, Brother Jason over here sitting there, amen. He's give all this money. That ain't right. Amen. I've been to your houses. I mean, Brother David's got a nice house, but he ain't giving all of it, amen. God's giving it. Amen. God's purpose. You say, Brother David, he's talking about witnessing. He is talking about witnessing, and I don't want to minimize that. But it's the fact that that's how his glory is revealed to this world. That is his earthly purpose is to reveal his glory through you. He does that through your witnessing. But he'll do it. That'll be a witness. Yes, amen. That is a witness. You just living your life every day according to the precepts of God is a witness for God. It reveals his glory, Kayla. Don't you understand? I mean, you know where you're at when God found you. Your family and your friends look at that and they say, we don't understand that. We don't know why that's happening. But Brother John, God's glory is revealed, is shown through you. And the eternal purpose of God goes on. The everlasting purpose of God goes on. But the earthly purpose of God is fulfilled. And are you allowing that earthly purpose to be fulfilled in you? Now, Lord willing, tonight we'll be back again. I, I've not been really long this morning, but
Tonight we'll be back again. Tonight, Lord willing, I'll be preaching on the people of the church. You need to be, if you can be here, you need to be here. So this morning we talked to you about the foundation of the church. We looked at its position, we looked at its promise, we looked at its place and its protection. This morning in the 11 o'clock hour we've looked at the purpose of the church. We've looked at the eternal purpose, the everlasting purpose, and the earthly purpose. We're not changing the eternal purpose of God. How you fit into it will be determined by what you do with His earthly purpose. Ain't that amazing? See, people say, how do you reconcile the sovereignty of God and the will of man? I said, that's very simple. God's got a plan. It's going to take place. Where you fit in it, it's your choice. That's hillbilly theology right there, buddy. But I'm telling you, you'd have a hard time arguing with it. The best doctrine is common sense because you can't fight it. It's just common sense. Amen. And so I want you to understand that the purpose of God, the eternal purpose of God is not going to be thwarted. It never has been. The everlasting purpose of God is going to take place because of Calvary. But the early purpose of God for this generation is that you glorify God to them and you only have one shot to do it and one life to do it in. And if it don't get done in this life, then it won't get done. I've heard people say, well, if you don't do it, that don't mean that God's purpose is thwarted. You're right, it don't. But God's purpose for you be thwarted. Because his purpose for you is for you to reveal the glory of God to this generation. Brother David, your purpose is that you might reveal the glory of God to this generation. Whether that be your family, your friends, your acquaintances, or people you don't even know. It's to reveal his glory to them. I trust that you're doing that today. If you're not, this is the week. This is the time. Get that straightened out. Get busy about revealing his glory. I'm not telling you to go out and pass out 100 gospel tracts. That's what people want me to say. Well, if you go hand out 100 gospel tracts this week, your job's done. Your job ain't done. You might not hand out but two gospel tracts this week, but if that's what God's purpose is for you this week, that's all I'm worried about. That's different. Amen. I ain't putting a guilt trip on you or nothing about how many you've passed out. Because if you thought you could, fa- if you could pass out so many and be done, that's what you'd do and you'd be finished. But that ain't the purpose of God. Right. You might glorify God by witnessing. Listen, I'm going to say something that's going to scare your pastor to death. But you know that God might be more glorified by you reading one chapter and really understanding what that chapter says than you buzzing through three or four and not understanding a word you just read. Amen. What is that, Brother David? That's common sense. I've got my three done. I've got my three done. I've got my three done. That's, that's the Baptist motto. I've got my three done. And I'm not saying you ought to read. Listen, they, I, I, I promise you, I believe in reading my Bible. You probably don't want to know how much I believe in reading my Bible. And I wouldn't tell you. Amen. But I believe in reading my Bible. I believe you ought to read a lot of it. But I'd rather read one chapter. I'd rather speak one word with understanding, Paul said. Yes, sir. I'd rather have one chapter. I'd rather get one verse and understand it than to read 10 chapters and not know something I read. The purpose of God be revealed in that. His earthly purpose. 
Let's pray. Father, as they come with the invitation today, Lord, if these folk need to pray, I don't know if they need to pray. They may need to just take it home and deal with it. There's some things you just need to implement in your life. If they need to pray, I want them to come. But Father, that's not our goal here this week. I want them to be right with God. I want them to walk with God. I want them to be stronger when they leave this meeting. I want there to be such a desire in them to serve God when they leave this meeting this week. God, it won't matter who's preaching. It won't matter if they're having a revival meeting or not having a revival meeting. They'll simply fulfill the earthly purpose of God in their life that they might have a part in the everlasting purpose, that they might also have a part in that eternal purpose. Father, I pray that your will would be done. They're going to have a part in it, but I want them to have a good part. I want them to have a good position. I want them to, Lord, be able to glorify you in a good way, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And Lord, we pray that your will would be done now. There's a whole lot of material I didn't cover in this lesson that I covered before. You know all about that, but I've obeyed you to the best of my ability. I've taken a simple text, given a simple exposition of that text. Father, I believe that you can use it to reach the hearts of your people. And we'll thank you and praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, we humbly ask it all. Amen. Brother Smith, you come.